0: So glad that you're here today. We are grateful that you've come and chosen Sagemont to be your place of worship today. We simply offer a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have any gimmicks. If you have to bring people in with a gimmick, you have to have a better gimmick the next week to get them to come back. So we don't offer gimmicks. We offer a relationship with Jesus Christ that is the firm foundation in which you can build your life upon. And we love the Lord. We love people around here. We're grateful for the journey that God has put us on. And today we're in the middle of a series and we're going to talk about part two called The Way. Last week we were in Psalm chapter 1. We were talking about uh, the person who meditates on God's word. Blessed is that man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. We talked about that last week. We talked about uh, two people, two roads, two paths. And this week, we're going to talk about the one way. We're going to talk about heaven. And I'm telling you, I promise you, if you have even watched any television whatsoever, people say there are many ways to get to heaven. So here's what we're going to settle today. I didn't write this. God did. And he says there's one way. And if God says there's one way and we believe the Scripture, then there's just one way. And we'll embrace that way. For 53 years, our pastor has embraced the fact that there's not many roads that lead to heaven. There's one way. That's what the Scripture teaches. We believe the Word of God. The way. Let's talk about the way in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. I recently read an article that talked about there was an airport that was having a problem with people waiting at the carousel to pick up their baggage what had happened was the arriving flights were too close to the baggage area claim area so they were getting complaints from people that they were having to wait too long so rather than increasing efficiency why would they do that? They decided that their arriving flights would arrive at a different spot coming in to the tarmac, and they would arrive at a different spot, and the baggage carousel for those arriving flights would cause people to walk 10 times further than they were walking. They found out that they didn't have any complaints. Here's the reason why. They found out that the more that people were active, the less time they had to complain about things. And so when you come to John chapter 14, you find some troubled disciples who were complaining about things. They didn't understand that Jesus really was the way, the truth, and the life. They were always in Gethsemane's classroom with Jesus as he went to the cross. They still didn't understand. He had been teaching them for three years. They continued to get more troubled as he went along. So one of the things that happened in John, before John chapter 14, setting up the context. Context is always king to what you're going to see in John chapter 14. So Jesus had just been at the grave of Lazarus and he was deeply troubled, the Bible says. He was deeply grieved. He was grieving. He was getting what was on the inside on the outside, fully God, fully man. So he was troubled. Now, he was troubled to the point that he knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. And then not long after that, as he moved out of that situation, he moved into the situation with the disciples where he's telling them he's going to the cross. He's going to die because he is the only way they still didn't seem to get it in fact they had been in the upper room where he had told them about that and then because they were so selfish he had to give them a lesson on selfishness and he donned the towel took the towel off and began to wash the disciples feet and they still didn't get it so when John writes in John chapter 14 notice what it says in verse 1 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God, believe also in me. So that's the context in which the scripture is being unfolded to us, and Jesus is comforting his disciples because they really were troubled. They were troubled about many things. One of the ways for those of us that are troubled about many things, one of the ways that you get through your trouble is you look to the future to realize that one day your trouble will not triumph over you. You will triumph over the trouble because the one who has given his life for us, the one who is the only way, Jesus and Jesus alone, has allowed us to triumph in him because of his death, burial, and resurrection. So the encouragement here in chapter 14 He says, let not your heart be troubled. The idea of the word troubled means to be stirred up, to be agitated, to be vexed, if you will. We live in a very troubled world. We live in a world full of trouble and full of pain and full of difficulty, but one of the things we do is we embrace the message of the one who is the way because our troubles are just light and momentary in this world compared to the future glory that we will receive in him, the gift of salvation. Those of us that when we die, we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ based on our faith in him. So we may have trouble down here, yes, we will be pressed down here, but we don't focus on here. focus on our relationship with him. So he said, notice what the text says. These were good Jews he's writing to. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. They believed in God. The way of God was the way to God. So they would believe that God was the father, that he was the almighty God. They would have believed that. But notice what happens in the text. Believe in God, but believe also in me. Here's what Jesus is saying. You believe in God, I want you to transfer the belief that you have in God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That relationship that you understand, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the belief that you have in God and the belief is in the present continually believe in God. What Jesus is saying is, you believe in God, believe also in me. The same belief that you have in God the Father, you transfer that to God the Son. It's kind of like this. Get this picture in your mind. It's like when you go to a circus and you see these trapeze. I think that's what they call them. These little trapeze bars, they're flying. You have somebody who's on the trapeze bar and they're flying. You see another one that's swinging over here. And so as this person is coming across the stage, holding onto that trapeze bar, they believe, they believe, they believe. So the idea would be believe in God, hold on to God. Watch this. Jesus says, when you let go of God and you transfer your belief to me, not only is God God, I'm God as well. Believe in God, believe also in me. One in essence, one in power, one in strength. There's not three gods, not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's one God who expresses himself in three persons. So God the Father, hold on, he's writing to Jews here, hold on to God the Father and the belief that you have in him. But listen, You transfer that over to me because I'm God as well. Trust in God, believe in God. Belief means to put your whole weight, the whole of who you are to surrender and put your entire weight to believe in God and to believe in Jesus. Because see, they had troubled hearts. So they needed belief. They needed faith to walk And they had to have their troubledness dealt with by knowing the one who had triumphed or was going to triumph over all. So the idea is, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now notice the text, in my father's house. Stop right there. In my father's house, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about, if you want to go to the father, you have to believe in me. You have to know who I am. So in my father's house are many mansions. That's what he says here. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. The title of this message is The Way. Well, what is the way to the father's house? In my father's house are many, the word mansions mean many dwelling places, many spaces to live in the place That Jesus is going to prepare for us. So there's many spaces. There's many mansions. There's many, if you will, apartments. There's many dwelling places to the place that I'm going. So in my father's house, it's not so much about um, the idea of where you're going. It's about the father of the house. This, This is the father's house. We're talking about heaven. This is the father's house. Jesus is trying to comfort them. But he's saying here, in my father's house are many rooms. And if there's many rooms and many mansions in the Father's house, and literally that means a dwelling place, if you want to have space in the place that is designated for you, because before the foundation of the world, God made reservations for you to get to heaven. Listen carefully. He made reservations. It was his plan that every man, woman, boy, and girl be saved. He had a plan that he was putting into motion because he's God the Father. He had a plan. Jesus the Son was going to be the workable part of that plan. So the reservations are in heaven for all of us, but the payment to get into heaven was the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody had to make a payment. Somebody had to make a one-time payment so that you and I could go experience the many mansions or the dwelling places. So if there's space in the place for me where there's many rooms, then somebody has to make a payment. So the father has the plan before the foundation of the world, but the son procured the plan through his death, burial, and resurrection. So not everybody that says they're going to heaven is going to heaven because they don't go to heaven this way. They go to heaven and say, all roads lead to heaven. They don't lead to heaven. There's only one road that leads to heaven. And Jesus says, you believe in me. And in my father's house are many Mansions. Have you ever uh, been on a crowded elevator? You know, we need to teach elevator etiquette. I just got off a cruise and everybody's taking the elevator. And it's amazing. It even tells you, they've got a little platelet inside the elevator that tells you what day it is because you're so gone with the food that you're eating. You don't even know what day it is. (laughs) You're so messed up. It's Sunday? I didn't know it was Sunday. It's Monday. Okay, you get on the elevator. But here's what happens. You you punch the button to go to another floor because there's supposed to be space in the place for you. So the elevator opens, and here's where people miss it. They, they, They punch the button, and they just have their head down. And they start walking into the elevator. They don't even look up. They don't even let anybody off the elevator, And it just so irks me, it so gets me, it so messes me up in my mind and my heart. I'm like, would you just look up? This elevator is full. It is full. There there is no more room. And I can just see it. When this person comes on, everybody just goes, and they back up. And so what happens is you get on the elevator, and then you've got another person. And you've got another person on the elevator, and then it happens on the next floor. And you're just thinking, you know what, people, there's no more room on the elevator. Now listen carefully. If the Scripture says, and it does, that in my Father's house are many mansions, there is heaven is a real place and it's a prepared place for a prepared people and there are many mansions which means there's space in the place For anybody who would come through faith in Jesus Christ. So what we've got to realize when you step onto the elevator and it gets a little crowded and people irritate you, heaven's not that way. Heaven's for anybody. Heaven's a place that has many rooms. It's got enough room to hold all the people of the whole world. All because God the Father had a plan. And Jesus Christ, he had a confirmation. He gave us a confirmation number. The confirmation number is the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross. Have you ever been to a hotel? Where you got a confirmation number and you really did a lot of good research and it looked really nice. And you showed up at the desk with your confirmation number and it wasn't like it was supposed to be. Sure, you have. And so there will be no disappointment for people that reserve their place in heaven because he says, Believe in God, look at the text, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions, many rooms, enough space in the place. Not a little tiny elevator, but enough space in the place for anybody who would realize that the most important thing about heaven, listen carefully, it's a relationship with God the Father and God the Son. It's a relationship. It is not a program. It is a person. It is not about a plan. It is a person. It is a relationship. A relationship of the Father who wants you to be with Him for all of eternity. So he says in verse 2, My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, notice the text. See, here's the problem with the disciples. They didn't want Jesus to leave. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. So the idea is I'm going to leave. In order to prepare this place for you. Some people say, well, Jesus was a carpenter. You know, it's going to take him about 2,000 years to prepare this place for us. Listen, Jesus Christ can speak the word and the place be put into place by the power of his word. He is so powerful. He is so gracious. He is so sovereign. He can do anything He wants. So don't get this idea that Jesus has been working on this thing. The idea is that Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins and to die for my sins so that when we draw our last breath, the tug on the other end will be we're going to the Father's house. Not because I'm good. Not because I've earned it. But because I've learned by grace to bow before Jesus and trust him and him alone for my salvation. The song is Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no way you can get to heaven or I can get to heaven. By our good works, by earning it, by our merit, we get there because the perfect, sinless son of God paid the ultimate price So I could live in the space where the place of the Father is. And I have a relationship with the Father because I have a relationship with the Son. Jesus is God and the Father is God. And I will be able to spend all eternity in the Father's house, wherever the Father is. I will be able to spend eternity with Him because of my faith in Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you disciples. See, they didn't believe He would come back. And so the idea is, he went to prepare a place. I'll come again, verse three, and receive you to myself. So here's the deal the relationship that Jesus Christ offers you and me. He says, I myself will receive you unto myself. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not about doing good works. It's about what God has already done through Jesus Christ. That's how we get to heaven. And so he says that you may be there where I am, there you may be there also. There's a story about a um, Cuban pilot who was wanting to escape Cuba. He was a Cuban pilot in the military. And he decided, he told his wife and his kids, he said, I'm going to fly a mission. And I'm going to take off on the plane and they're going to be able to catch me on radar. But at a certain point, because I am heading to Miami, I am going to go as far as I can where they don't realize that I'm fixing to drop down at sea level and I'm fixing to go above the waves. And at a certain point, I'm going to fall off the radar and I'm going all the way to Miami because I want to take you with me to Miami. I want to go there. I want to build a life in Miami. And so I want you to know that I am going to come back and get you, but I first must do this mission. And when I fly this plane over, I will file for political asylum and they'll get their plane back, but I'm coming back to get you. So it was years and years. He made this mission. He made this uh, journey. And so what happened one day, he sent a message back to his wife and his kids. And he said, listen, I'm coming back to get you. I'm coming back to get you. And so he began to fly at sea level and he flew all the way across from Miami back over to Cuba, landed on this road. His wife and kids got in the plane and he turned that plane around and he flew under the radar and he went all the way back. He said, I am going to keep the promise. If I leave you... I am going to prepare a place for you, and when I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come and get you, and when I come and get you, you're going to know the fulfillment of the joy of being in relationship with me. How much bigger can we look at the picture of heaven? How much more powerful is the picture of heaven? That Jesus would leave and go and prepare a place for us, and then he said, I'm going to come back and get you. I am ready for the Lord to come back and get me. Are you ready? Are you ready to come back? Are you ready for the Lord to come back and get you? You see, how how do you know that he can come back and get me? Because of the relationship that I have with him. So I'm going to go to the Father's house, and I'm going to have space in the place, and it's not so much about the Father's house, it's about the Father of the house, because I have a perfect relationship with God the Father. How do I know that? Because Jesus the Son said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. So if I'm going to trust Jesus to come back and get me, when he gets me, he's going to put me in the space with the place, the many mansions, I don't know what kind of house you live in. But we live close to like the Biltmore, which was like the, the mansions of North Carolina. People would move from Tennessee. They would go on vacation to the Biltmore. And they said, boy, that's a great mansion. Listen, it does not even compare with what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be beautiful because I'm going to a place where the sun's going to continue to shine. And I'm going to a place where the father is. And I'm going to a place where the sun is. So Jesus said this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to fly under the radar, if you will, and I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. relationship that where I am, there you may be also. Now watch this. Verse 4. Here's what the text says. And this is Thomas. He says this. And where I go, and he says this. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? You see, he had a troubled heart. And sometimes in our difficulties, sometimes in our troubles, Sometimes in our pain and sometimes in our suffering. Here's the good news about it. One day the fog is all going to be cleared and it's all going to be cleared by the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to see like we've never seen before. We're going to have bodies like we've never had before, glorified bodies. We're going to be in a perfect environment with God the Father and God the Son. And Thomas says, well, Lord, where are you going? How can you know the way? And so the idea was Thomas was thinking that the Lord was talking about directions, like You you turn right here, and then you go left here. Here's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about perfection. He was talking about, I am perfection. Thomas, don't be thinking about directions. You know, many of us don't look at directions even though we still have a GPS. We didn't have it back in the day when I grew up. You stopped and asked for directions. If you didn't know the way, hey, it didn't matter if I didn't know the way because my wife was the way. She knew the way. So if I knew my wife which I did, then I knew the way. Because the faster I drove, the loster I got. That's not good English, but that's good theology. And that's the way people are. They're driving fast, but they're getting loster and loster. And so Jesus is saying to Thomas, here, this is important. Jesus is saying to Thomas, if you know me, then you're looking at the way. You know the way. You know the way because you know me. So, so Thomas, when all your troubles and all your fears and all your misunderstandings and all your mishaps and how you're missing this lesson that I'm going away to prepare a place for you, I want you to know Thomas, if you know me, then you know the way cause I'm the way this is important to understand. So this is very important to understand. So he says here and where I go, you know, and the way, you know, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know. Where are you going and how can we know the way? And here's where Jesus says, notice the text here. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is revealing who he is. Jesus is revealing that, Thomas, you're looking for directions. You're looking for a right turn. You're looking for a left turn. But you need to look for perfection. The perfection is this, I am the sinless savior of the world i came to make a full-time payment on the cross of calvary so that i could be the way so that you could have a relationship with the father let me ask you a question how's your relationship with your earthly father do you know that some of you have a broken relationship with your earthly father you have some smudges on your daddy's lens you you tried to get your father to love you based on what you did Some of you were great athletes, some of you were great artists, some of you were great musicians, and you wanted your father to love you and to say, look how great you are, and and he hasn't done that. And you're still wanting to get a hug from a father who maybe he didn't have a perfect picture of God the Father, and maybe his father was smudged as well. So there are no perfect fathers in here. So here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to know the perfect father, you need to know me and I'm the way to get to the perfect father. Because one day, all the affirmation that you were looking for, all the things that you wanted from your daddy and he couldn't give it to you, like love and strength and being there and just saying thank you, or just uttering the words I love you. Let me tell you something about God the Father. He is a perfect Father who wants to give you a divine hug today. He is the only perfect Father. And Jesus said, I'm pointing you to the only one who's perfect. And by the way, I am perfect as well. So I'm the perfect, sinless sacrifice that is of perfection to show you who the perfect Father is. Some of you could be free today if you would understand that God is your father and your earthly father. He tried well, but he's got wounds. I have wounds as an earthly father. I didn't do all the things right, but I never told my son, look at me because I'm going to meet your needs. I always said, look at God because he's perfect. And Jesus points us to a perfect father. I want to go to heaven because of the relationship with a perfect father and a perfect son who loves me unconditionally and I never have to reach out to try to get a hug. They're always hugging me in a divine way because I am accepted in God and I am accepted in Jesus, not because of what I've done or because of what I do, but because of what they have done for me. I'm going to be in the space with the place of God the Father and God the Son for all of eternity based on grace. Based on grace, Thomas said, Lord, we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue where you're going. How can we know the way? Here's what Jesus said. Look at the text. Verse 6. Jesus said to him, you know what? I am, notice the text, the way, definite article. The truth, definite article. The life, definite article. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, a good Jew knew exactly what Jesus meant here, because the way of God was the way to God. Moses said, Lord, show us your ways. Turn to Isaiah 35, verse 8. I'm going to give you some Old Testament prophecy that helps us understand Jesus as the way. See, Israel was always wandering. They were always wandering away from the way. They were always trying to find their way in the wilderness. Moses said, Lord, show me your ways. Isaiah in Isaiah 35, 8, when Jesus said here in John 14, the Jews, when they heard Jesus is the way, that was a buzzword for them. And it was a buzzword that led them to Isaiah chapter 35, 8. Here's what Isaiah the prophet said about this is a highway of lostness. This is a highway where someone is wandering, trying to find the way, because that's what Israel did. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. So the idea was the prophecy of Israel was the wandering of God's people away from this highway. So they they had lostness, and it was mind-boggling, because the idea is that they never could find the way. In fact, in the garden, listen carefully, in Genesis with Adam and Eve... There was a loss of the way, listen carefully, the truth and the life. So Jesus comes in John chapter 14 and he says, I'm the embodiment, I'm the embodiment of the way the truth, and the life. What was lost in Adam is now found in me, the second Adam, and because the way and the truth and the life is found in me, you can have a relationship with me. And rather than trying to find a highway that's the lost way or the wandering way, he says, if you just look at me, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So this way would be mind bodily and so I've, I've even seen this recently. I've seen posts. I've seen people talk about how there's many ways to get to heaven. Listen, I want to just say it as clear as I can. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So there doesn't have to be a way at all. God does not have to make a way whatsoever. We have offended a holy God. He is righteous. We are not. He is holy. We are not. So when people say, can you be so narrow-minded and bigoted to say that there's only one way? Here's my point. I can't believe there's a way to begin with. It's mind-boggling to me that the God who I offended, the God who is totally righteous and totally holy, chooses to love me in spite of me and makes a way for me to get to him by his grace. That is mind-boggling to me. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me so carefully. Listen to me. We should all be bowing before Jesus today and saying, by your grace, I can't believe you have provided a way in the midst of my sin, in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my heartache, in the midst of my deepest pain. I don't need to question, is there many ways to God? I can't believe there's one way and I can't believe through Jesus that you're offering me, a sinner, the one way and I can be a saint in Christ today if I will choose to step Away from the lostness of the way of Adam and Eve and embrace the way of the second Adam, which is Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. See, he says it here I'm the way to the Father. You could read it this way, it's kind of a Hebrew idiom, if you will. I am the, I am the living way to truth. You could read it this way in John 14, 6. I am the living way to truth. I am the the life which leads to the truth, which is the person of the way. You you can mix this up any way you want, but you'll find out just like we sang in the song, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that will save you. It will save you today. And some of you aren't sure about your salvation. You're concerned about, you know, if I died today, there's no way I am absolutely 100% sure that I would make it to heaven. Can I encourage you after this service is over with to go talk to some people in our Connection Center because you can be assured when you walk out of here today that you have settled the issue of the person of the way. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have grace come pouring over your soul. And you can know when you take your last breath, heaven is the home to which you've been homesick for. I am homesick for heaven. That's why waiting here and actively doing things here is just preparing me for that one moment where the Lord calls me home and he comes back to get me. It's called the rapture of the church. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm not one of the optional extras. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Here's what he says. It's mind-boggling. There's just one way. See if I can explain it to you like this. You know, when you go to England and you see the Queen's Palace, Buckingham Palace, if the flag is flying, the Queen is in residence. If the flag's not flying, the Queen's not in residence. You know what brings significance to Buckingham Palace? It's the Queen when she's in residence. You know what gives significance to heaven? when God the Father and God the Son rule and reign for all eternity. It's not about a place. It's about the significance of the people who are in the place. And the significance of the people who are in the place is a perfect Father with a perfect Son whom I have bowed before and now I belong to Him so I can live my life in all eternity in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. That's how much God loves you today. I do not care what you've done in this room. I don't care what you've done. And I don't know what you've done and you don't know what I've done. Some of you might be saying, well, if we knew what you did, we wouldn't have come to listen. Well, let me tell you something about the uh, the reverse side of that. If I knew what you did, I wouldn't have bothered coming preaching. Listen, we're all broken. We're all messed up. We've all missed the mark. We all need to bow before this Savior who is Jesus Christ. He's offering us to come into a relationship because when he's the way, that means that he's the path, the approach, the journey from here to there is through him. That's how you get to the Father. You journey with the Son to get to the Father. And you say, he's the way, he's the truth. So anything opposite of him is not the truth. You can't say, I'm falling and I'm rising at the same time. That's a double negative. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the opposite of Jesus would be death. But Jesus doesn't offer us death. He only offers us a rescue from the death that we were born into, which is the family of Adam and the family of sin. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So Jesus, as the life, offers to come in and give us spiritual life and make us alive in him so that we can experience the way, the truth, and the life. The place of heaven gains significance by the person in the place. Are you sure that you're on your way to heaven? You say, yeah, I'm on my way to heaven because I'm a good person. That won't get you there. Oh, I'm on my way to heaven. I come to Sagemont periodically. That won't get you to heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a a teacher. That won't get you to heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a pastor. That won't get you to heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I, I give a lot of money to Envision, which we'll talk about next week, Parable of the Talents. Be here. We're giving away free money. It's up to you. None of that stuff gets you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is trusting Christ, bowing before him, asking Him to forgive you of your sin and letting Him put this beautiful life of Himself in you. So the journey from here, this earth, to there is a relationship. Once I get there to the space in the place, it's about a relationship. We do not offer you religion around here. Religion is man's attempt to try to get to God by good works. Christianity is God's success in coming to man in the incarnation through the death, burial, and resurrection. I go and prepare a place for you. And when I prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to get you. So because of my relationship with Jesus, I know that I'm secure forever.